Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, tonight we ask that in everything that we do, in everything that we say, and in everything that we present, my Father, the Holy Spirit takes absolute control. We submit totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we pray that he opens the word to us, so that as we spend time, Father Almighty God, with you, that through your word, through what you will reveal, through what you will do, my Father, you will change us, so that we realize how much you have done for us so that we, our lives will be changed forever. For we realize that you have done so much. Father, for those believing God for a miracle, we join our faith with theirs and we are, we join them in simple faith. We honestly trust you. and We commit this, to, this night into your hands. We give you thanks, praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're most welcome. Um, we're going to dig into Ephesians chapter one again. We're just working through it. Um, I hope it's been a blessing to you thus far. And so we're going to pick up and I, I will read. I will read from um, Ephesians one and I will. I'll start from verse one. And so Ephesians one verse one. Ephesians 1 verse 1, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm, I'll read from the King James Version of the Bible this evening. Um, the Bible says the following, Paul, an, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Verse seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in, the at that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, 
in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with the hope with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we've got is I've, I've stopped reading at verse 14. Okay, I've stopped reading at verse 14. And so where we got to last week, we were at verse 5, and we realized that God has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. That's pretty much where we stopped just um, last week. Now, the interesting thing as we read that, the Bible says, to himself, this is verse 5, according to the good pleasure of his will. So pause for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, as we as we look at that verse. Verse 5 says, and this is where we'll pick it up. The Bible says, according to the good pleasure of his will. That means, ladies and gentlemen, there is, in all sincerity, the only reason that we are who we are and where we are is not because we work for it. It is because God has, and now this is really key, good pleasure. That means God has planned it out and he was driven purely by an internal desire to do us good. He said, according to the good pleasure of his will. And so when we think about it, let's pause for a moment and let's work that out. Um, so the Bible says that it's according to the good pleasure of his will. So let's understand that God's will for you and I, ladies and gentlemen, let's understand something. God's will for you and I is good. And it is God's desire that we walk in it. The Bible says that it was the good pleasure of his will that called, that caused him to put in place the plan of salvation where you and I were adopted to him as children in Christ Jesus. So what I also, what I want to present here is let's pause for a moment just on that and let's realize something that it is God's intention that in his will, he means you well. God's will for your life in any situation is good. God's will is good. And so come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to open up the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans, chapter 1. And we're going to read... Romans 12, sorry, Romans 12, verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible. The Bible says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God, 
to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So that, that's straightforward. The, Bible's, the Bible is very clear there. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. Now, this is where we're going. So that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Ladies and gentlemen, it is God's desire for you and I in every situation to know and understand his will. So we looked at the big picture. The Bible says that he predestinated us unto adoption in Jesus Christ to himself. The Bible says that it was for one simple reason. According to the good pleasure of his will. That means when it was God that crafted the plan with no other influences around him. And the reason I, I'm, I'm pointing this out, and this is one of the, the wonderful things about, you know, taking a step-by-step -step view of the Bible, it builds the picture in us, ladies and gentlemen, that God's will for us is good. In any situation, you can determine that God's will is good. And God says, I want you to be able to prove. Prove means with the faculties available to you, you can determine, is this God's will or is this not God's will for my life? Knowing that when you come before God, you can say to the Lord, Lord, irrespective of what the circumstances say, I want your will in this situation. The Bible says, and if I read, I'm going to read the same verse from the King James Version of the Bible, just for the moment. And the Bible says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is what you process information with that you may prove what is that good. Prove is a mathematical word. It means to deduce or to come to a conclusion, to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is God's desire that you determine his will. And God's will is good, perfect, and acceptable. That's what God's will is for you. And it changes everything.
Because on the other end of God's will, in any situation, the blessings, the power, and the ability of God are made available to you. And we see this in what the Bible says in Ephesians, that according to the good pleasure of his will, he had caused us to be adopted to him in Jesus Christ. And we're going to come to that to him in a moment. But that means, ladies and gentlemen, and let me say this clearly, that God's will for you in any situation, irrespective of what it looks like, when you can determine it, it is good, perfect, and acceptable. Determining God's will, the Bible says one of the first steps is the renewal of your mind, the way you think, the way we process the information. And we renew our minds through the truth. It is the Bible. When we study the Bible, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit renews our mind. That allows us to determine and understand what God has made available to us. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to say is, if you're wondering, am I in God's will? Is this God's will for my life? Let's pause for a moment. You being a Christian, you are in the center of God's good and perfect will. You are in the center of his will because the Bible says that he determined that before you and I arrived. And so that let that be a bit of an of assurance that if you are if you're living breathing and you're listening to this and you are a christian you, you're a believer you are in the center of god's perfect will for your life right now that doesn't mean your circumstances will be perfect that doesn't mean that you will not be facing challenges but when it comes to you being in the right place at the right time you are the bible says that you are there that doesn't mean also that if you are confronted with a very difficult situation, God will fix it. That's not his perfect will for you. It's not God's perfect will for you to suffer. No, that's somebody else's choices. But where you are, where you're going, the plans concerning your life, the plans concerning your future, the plans concerning who you are and what you are, ladies and gentlemen, they are bang on track. You are where God wants you to be. The Bible says so. The Bible says that as long as you are a Christian, you are a product of the pleasure of God's will for your life. I hope that helps someone. The second thing I want to point out is determining God's will. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says you need to renew your mind so that you can actually prove. When you renew your mind, that means the way you process information will be different. And let's have a look at that in detail, and then I'll move on. Because talking about God's perfect will, the first question somebody would want to ask, well, how do I know it's God's perfect will? Should I work in this place or should I work in that place? And so on and so forth. We're coming to that in a moment. But come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we'll stay in the book of Ephesians and we'll skip forward to Ephesians chapter 4. And listen to what the Bible says. Now pick up the narrative from verse 20. Ephesians 4.20 says the following. But ye have not so learned Christ, speaking, and Paul is in the middle of a discussion, and we can talk about that another day. But the Bible says, but you have not so learned Christ. That means you've not, this is not the way you learn Jesus Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22 that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. 
verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, when you come to Jesus Christ, when you come to the word of God, as you study the word of God by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit renews your mind. He changes us at the very root level. This is, he changes who we are. He doesn't leave us the way we were. He doesn't leave us the way we are. He changes us. The Bible says, and, and I can turn there, and I'll turn there. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse 17. And the Bible, and I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, and I'll come back to Ephesians 4. The Bible said, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the, the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, when you come to Jesus Christ, you are taught by the, that as the truth is in Jesus Christ. It is the truth that changes. The Bible says the minute the person who makes the changes is the Holy Spirit. Where, and when you are reading the Bible, when you spend time with the word of God, the change that you are desiring, the change that you are hoping for, the change that you are looking for begins to happen on your inside because the Holy Spirit goes to meet the word of God and he changes you in three areas, your heart, your soul, and your mind. So that's how the change happens. One last scripture about what the truth is, and then I'll come back to Ephesians 4. Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 17. John, let me find it. Got it. John 17, verse 17. It's a lovely verse. Jesus said when he was leaving, John chapter 17, sanctify them. That means prepare them for service. Cause them to be holy. Empower. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the Bible says that the tr when you're studying the Bible, the Holy Spirit goes to work on your heart, soul, and mind and causes the truth to make fundamental changes so the way you see the world changes. The way you see God changes. The way you see your future changes. The way you see your husband or wife changes. The way you see the things around you changes. It just changes because the truth, the Bible says, the Bible is the truth. The Bible also says when you are now taught like that, as you come into Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, I will read in stages again. The Bible says, if so be that you have heard him, 
that means you've heard the gospel, you read the Bible, and have been taught by him. That means the truth that is in the Bible has taught, instructed, or changed your perspective. The Bible says, as the truth is in Jesus, so when you read, study, and pray about Jesus Christ, the Bible says the truth gets onto your inside. The Bible says something happens. First thing is, you put off the former conversation or your old behavior, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is you take off you the way we used to live. We begin where we are now confronted with the same situations that used to cause us angst, challenges, or stuff like that, that used to cause us grief in our previous life before Jesus Christ. When we come to Jesus, as we spend time in the word, as we spend time with the Holy Spirit, those same situations do not cause us to react the same way. We begin to change. That's what it means to put off the old man. The Bible says the old man or our old way of thinking is corrupt because of the deceitful love the way it's it has been shaped through the lust that exists in the world the lust of the eyes the pride of life and the lust of the flesh that is in first john chapter one reading from 15 i think so that's one john one john one and i'm reading Let's go to 1 John 2, not 1 John 1, 1 John 2. And I am, yes, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That shaped our behavior previously. When you come to Jesus, he begins to undo what that kind of thinking has done in our lives. So the, we're, we're on our journey to understanding how we can identify the, the will of God. Then the Bible says that as we study the Bible, we are renewed in the spirit of our minds. That means at our very, the very core of our nature, the very foundational place of who we are, the Bible says there's a change. And the Bible says you are renewed. So the way your mind processes exactly the same situations that would have caused you to respond as the world wants you to respond, the Bible says you now begin to respond as God wants you to respond. And the Bible says the following, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. Effectively, ladies and gentlemen, you begin to walk, talk, think, and act just like Jesus Christ. And that is God's will for you in any situation. The Bible says that according to the good pleasure of his will, he has predestinated us to the adoption of children unto himself by Christ Jesus. That's 
So when we say the good pleasure of his will, what I wanted to drive home is this. When you identify the will of God for your life, for any situation you are going through, it is good. Even if it means you walking away from an option that may look great, but God says, this is not yours. Then you still can trust him to say, God, you have my good at heart. This is good, perfect, and acceptable in your sight. I hope that helps a little bit. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter one, and then we will continue reading. So I'm going to go back to Ephesians one, and I'm picking up the narrative. Um, so that's the, we've just crossed over um, verse five, and we now come to verse six. And the Bible says the following, that God has, when we think about our adoption to him by children unto himself by Christ Jesus. So let's also settle. You are now a child of God and nobody can change that. And that comes with benefits. It comes with it. It's a new life. It's a new expression. You have so much that is now yours that was not yours before. Um, oh, I'd love to do that. Okay, I'll keep going. I, um, I'll keep going. There's something that's come to my heart and I just wanted to make sure I do it at the right time. So let's go to verse six. The Bible says, the reason God did it it is this, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Pause for a moment before we go on. That means whenever anyone sees you and what you become and the change that happens in your life when you become a Christian, the one thing, if they knew you before, that they will say is, ah, God's amazing. That the grace of God is amazing. And, and I can tell you a few funny stories. I was walking through my university campus and I had become a Christian. And somebody who had known me in my A-levels saw me. And he made a, uh, a reasonably crude comment at, because that's the world we came from. And I said, I don't do that anymore. He stared at me. And he said, so what? And I said, I'm a Christian now. He walked back four or five steps as if I had the plague. And then he looked and it was like, no way. That <laughs> is what we're talking to the praise of God's grace, whereby you realize that the only reason that this person can be a Christian is because of God's grace. It's not because I had anything within me. And that is part one. But then when you meet people who you knew when you were unsaved, to use a phrase, and they see what you have become, the one thing that really happens is, my goodness, God is amazing. And that is all God wants to do. His name, through you, ladies and gentlemen, 
he will make himself clear to a world that does not know him. When they see the turnaround in your life, when they see what happens in your world, when they see who you have become, how you respond, what you do in any particular situation, they will acknowledge that not only is this unusual, but they will give credence to the grace of God and the grace that God places upon a person that causes the kind of change we're talking about. And, you know, sometimes maybe we get caught up in the wonderful world of being Christians and, and it's easy to drift from that place. Pause for a moment. And if you can, if you are able to think of who you were before you met Jesus. And the Bible says the person you are now, if anyone sees you as, you know, your family members, your co-workers, your friends in school, especially if you go to school, your reunions or stuff like that, what will they do? Let's say it is only God out of the fire and so on and so forth. The Bible says that that is God's intention. That through your life, his grace will be praised. The fact that, no, this is nothing but the grace of God. Uh, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, let's have a look at it really quickly. So Exodus 33, reading from verses 18 to 19, speaks about the Lord is, is speaking to Moses, and, and I know I've, I've, I've used this example before, but Exodus chapter 33, reading from verses 18 to 19, the Bible says the following, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. This is Moses speaking to God. This is what God says. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, God is determined to be good to you. And the Bible says, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So the name of the Lord manifests God's glory. And, and not today's sermon, if that's okay. And the Bible says the following. This is where God's glory sits. Two elements of the four. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, when God delivers us, he wants to make us a walking, talking advertisement of the fact that he is a graceful, kind, and merciful God. You are a living letter. A living letter to the world around you that you know what? God should be praised. And when your actions and your words and the things that you do present God, trust me, people notice. And people notice in many remarkable ways. Um, just before I, I, I skip to what I was going to do before, because I, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going I'm to continue and then you'll understand. Just to give you an example, um, I was recently on a flight, um, the one that 
I'm actually speaking to you outside of the United Kingdom. So I was on a flight and I was in the last chair before the end of that particular class. And so by the time the, the lady got to me, they, she asked me on the, on the aisle, what would I like to eat? And I said, I would like this particular meal. And she gave it to me. And then the, the lady next to me um, said, oh, I would like the same. And the air hostess in her kindness said, I, I don't have any more. I'm sorry, you know, that I don't have the particular meal. Um, and I can look, you know, just beginning that process of, you know, I'll, I'll give you something else. She was extremely polite. And so I said to the lady, you know what? I haven't touched my food. Here we are. The shock on the lady's face next to me was, was evident. And she said, oh, thank you very much. You're really kind. And the, the air hostess was also quite surprised that that doesn't usually happen. And to my amazement, the depth of that action struck such a chord in both of them that both of them said so in very different ways. Um, not necessarily the subject of today's message, but I want you to realize people notice when you exemplify the grace and the glory of God. How? When you act in a way that is totally countercultural to what the world says you should do, and you literally play out the truth. It's almost invariable the first person that they acknowledge is God. And I could tell you quite a few stories, but not, not necessarily for now, but I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, you are in your office. The way the Bible says you are salt and light, um, quoting from Matthew 5, you make a difference and impact when you live out your faith in such a way that it presents a true picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Trust me, people notice, and they don't forget, and it has a massive impact on them. Um, I actually can't remember who, there's, there's a very popular phrase, and I can't remember it in, in um, actually C.S. Lewis, where he said, preach the gospel, I, I, a bad summary of preach the gospel in every single way. And then he uses a phrase, and he says, only when necessary, use words. And what he was trying to summarize is the way you act, the way you respond when you are self-sacrificial, when you allow the love of God to touch people, whether they deserve it or not, people notice. And the first person that they honor is God. And the Bible says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, Ephesians 1, 6, the praises of God come when they see your life changed. Great people praise God, and that's very important. And so notice that was that's God's real that was God's intention. That when they see you, they will praise me. That being the case, I'm not sure that God planned for any single one of his children to end up in such a way that he will not be praised. I hope that sinks in for someone. I really hope that helps somebody in a tough spot.
that whatever you're going through, the outcome of it will glorify God. The outcome of what you're going through will glorify God. Write these two scriptures down. I will not necessarily turn there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Psalms chapter 50, reading from verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 1, reading from verse 20. The Bible says the outcome of your cry for help will be that you will glorify God. That means when God delivers you and when God answers you, when God causes the promise to come to pass, you and I will glorify God. So I'm going to pause there. And so we'll move on. So that's so that's a wonderful section to look at. Second part of, of um, Ephesians 1, 6 says the following, wherein, and I'm, I, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, <laughs> acceptance is a powerful word. That means irrespective of what you are, of what the person is going through. Let, let, let's assume, well, let, let me give you a couple of biblical examples of what, of what accepted means. And I want you to realize that you, you are accepted in the highest place in the universe. So let's look at what acceptance looks like. Let's use a couple of Old Testament examples and then we'll pop over to the New Testament. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis chapter four. Genesis four. And I'll read from one. Genesis chapter four, and I'll read from one. So this is what acceptance looks like. Um, and the Bible says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, verse two. And she again bare his, bare his brother, Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are accepted, that means when what you do brings pleasure, to, that means the Lord says, that's acceptable. And I'm coming back to that. Acceptance is not in the action. The Bible said, notice, for acceptance, the Lord accepts the person. And then whatever the person brings is accepted because that person is accepted. And I'll give you an example in a moment. But notice, when God accepted the person of Abel, when he acknowledged that what you did was absolutely what I expected. The Bible says he blessed him in such a way that the blessings could be visible to everybody around. And that's what upset Cain. 
And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you are accepted in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then the blessings of being accepted are yours. Because notice, the Bible says that God had respect to Abel first and to his offering second. That means when you are accepted, what you bring is accepted. And so I'll, I'll, I'll give you an, an example of what I'm talking about. Um, I, my, my girls made me a Father's Day card maybe about 10, 15 years ago, if not longer. And they used all their artistic prowess and I got an A4 sheet of paper and there's a picture of me in a tie with a Superman in a Superman cape. And it says, Daddy, you're our superhero. And inside there are written different things that, you know, Daddy, you're wonderful, da, da, da. And they gave it to me. And do you realize, even as I'm speaking, I am so emotionally attached to that card. It's stuck on my wall. Now it's bending out of shape. It's slightly yellowed. To somebody else, or let's say to an art critic, they're going to say, what do you mean? This is a children's drawing. I mean, it doesn't even look like you. I mean, the tie is the same size as the stick man on the front. And, I, and, and I'm thinking that's your personal challenge. The people that gave it to me are accepted. They're my girls. What they brought was accepted because I love them not because of its quality. That means, ladies and gentlemen, to use that example, the Bible says, whenever you come to God, you are accepted because you are coming in Jesus Christ. That also means whatever comes out of your mouth or whatever is in your hands is accepted. That I want to sink in, please. The, the Bible says you are accepted. That means God's love and affection for you takes over when once he sees you because he loves Jesus Christ and he loves you. And as you are part of you now, when you come, you are part of Jesus Christ. So when you come into God's presence, let me settle something. Ladies and gentlemen, you are accepted. That means beyond other people, when you walk into the presence of God, you can hold your head high. Why? Because of what Christ has done. You are accepted. That means what you bring and what you say is accepted because of what Jesus Christ says. That means, ladies and gentlemen, the next time you go into the place of prayer, the next time you bring an offering before the Lord, the Bible says what you bring is accepted because of him. And so let, turn with, let, let's, let's have a look at a graphic example. Um, and I, I, I want to drive this home. I, I really do. Um, let, I'm watching the time. I want to make sure I, I, get, I, I do something. Someone needs something. And I, I, I want to make sure I get it right. Um, turn in with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to the book of Esther. The book of Esther, 
chapter five, Esther has gone through the, you know, if I perish, I perish moment. They've gone through the prayer. Now let's have a look at the power of acceptance. And the Bible says the following. Now it came to pass, Esther chapter five, verse one. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. That means they were facing each other. And it was so that when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. So now Esther has been accepted in the king's presence. That means whatever she says next, the Lord has said, okay, you have a right of audience. I'm listening. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the gold of the scepter. Then said the king to her, what wilt thou, Queen Esther? Listen carefully. She said nothing. And what is thy request? It shall be given thee to the half of my kingdom. Pause. That means because Esther was accepted, what she, even before she made a request, got the, the king said, it's yours up to the half of my kingdom. We're square. Pause for a moment. The Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, that when you come into the presence of God, you are acceptable. That means whatever you say next, whatever you ask of God, he said, we're good. Before you open your mouth. Why? Because you're coming not as you, you are coming as the body of God. Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that means you are ex when you're coming to God, come with your head held high. And I'm not being rude. Come with your head held high. Let's talk about where you are accepted and then so we so we can keep going. Please, I, I really hope this helps someone. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to pick up the narrative from verse 22. And the Bible says the following. The Bible says, Hebrews 12, 22. Where are you accepted? The Bible says, but you are, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God. One, the heavenly Jerusalem. Two, to an innumerable company of angels. Three, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Four, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. Five, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Six, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Seven, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Pause for a moment. The Bible says that you are in the control center of the universe and you are there legally. And before you can say a word, the blood is speaking on your behalf that this person coming 
is accepted. That means when you now make a request in that place, notice what is at your disposal. An innumerable company of angels who delights to hearken to the will of God. The name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. The covenant speaks on your behalf. The blood speaks on your behalf. The cloud of witnesses that around you speaks on your behalf. But most of all, the Bible says, God, the judge of all, the one person who can change what you are going through and not be questioned is present. And the Bible says you're accepted. The Bible says that when you walk into the presence of the almighty God, you are not there as a foreigner. You are there as a child. And ladies and gentlemen, that changes prayer forever. You can go where they cannot come. You have access to what they do not have access to. And ladies and gentlemen, that also means when you ask for God, for guidance, for a breakthrough, for help, you are not asking for what he does not have. You are asking for what he has and has made available to you. Let me drive that home, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you will allow. Um, please turn in your Bible, if you could. Turn back with me to... Genesis 2. I know we're jumping forward a little bit. Not Genesis 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's drive home what we're talking about. You see, being accepted means when you walk in, I, I, I was doing... Uh, just to give you an example, and then I'll, and I'll go to the scripture. I, I I sense in my spirit someone needs to understand this. One particular Thanksgiving Sunday, and thank God this is on record. It's on video and everything. We were doing, I was doing a name, the, the dedication of the children. And they were all gorgeous. But I got to one particular child. And as I was about to start reading her names, she puts her arms out. You do realize the whole service stopped. I said, okay, do you want to do this with me? Fine. She leaves her mum, climbs on, and then plants her head inside my jacket. And decides, I'm not moving. I think she puts one hand out and begins to play with the microphone. But notice, this is what acceptance looks like. Until she was ready. That is what the Thanksgiving, that's what the dedication service looked like. She just locked into my jacket. So that was where she was, that was when she was dedicated to the Lord. You know, I'm trying to, I've got a microphone in one hand. She's playing with the paper. I'm trying to put one hand on and say, you know, bless it. And it, 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 she ran the thing. That's what acceptance looks like. For those of you that when that person that you love, appreciate, adore, acknowledge, comes into your space, how do you respond? Times that by two million up to the point of infinity. And that's how God responds when he sees you. I couldn't deny that baby anything. She melted my heart. Everything changed in that moment. That's 
the power of acceptance. So let's read, let's have a look at what we're talking about. Turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read from 11, and I'm going to read to verse 13, and, and, and then we're going to do something called mirror reading. Hopefully this blesses, uh, actually the, the Lord laid this on my heart, so I know someone needs to hear this. The Bible says, wherefore remember that ye being in times past, that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world, but now in Christ, ye who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Jesus, blood of Christ. That means you who were far away from God, because of the blood of Jesus, whenever you come to God the Father, you are near him. And I'm going to hold on to that bit last. So let's read Ephesians 2 verses. Um, I'm going to read from 12. And let's read that now in the light of Jesus coming into your life. That means because you are now accepted, you are not without Christ. The Bible says you are in Christ. That means whenever you come to God, you do not come as yourself. You are in him. And the Bible says, if you are in him, there is nothing that Christ has that is not yours. My right arm has all the benefits that my body has. That means if I am conferred with a, uh, brand new, uh, a brand new suit, my right arm gets the use of the suit. If I'm conferred or I end up buying a brand new car, my right arm and my right leg end up in the brand new car because they're part of me. And if I then get a title and I am now referred to as Sir, Lord, whatever, whatever badger from wherever the moment that happens whatever is in me as a body my right arm and my left arm they all benefit there's no separation you are a member the bible says because of the blood of jesus because of his sacrifice you are now in him that means you are no longer without christ you are now in him all the benefits that christ has won are now yours the Bible says being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That means the opposite of an alien is an indigent. An indigent means somebody who has rights by birth. Now, please, ladies and gentlemen, let us settle something. That means you as children of God, according to the Bible, have rights by birth. John chapter 1 verse 12 says the following, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13, John chapter 1 verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That means in Christ, I am now no longer an alien. I am now an indigent. That means all the benefits that come to someone 
in Christ by birth. That means their mind. That means all the benefits, all the promises of God, all the covenants of God that are beneficial are mine by birth. I don't have to work for them. I remember when I went to go and get my British passport, the lady in the, in the high commission heard my voice and she said, you know what, even if you brought no documents, <laughs> we know that you, you don't even say that we get it. We know where you came from. Don't worry. And that's how I got my, and once I got my British passport, when I got to the border 14 years after leaving, they couldn't throw me out. I had a right to be there. Whether they liked it or not, I walked through because I have a right by birth. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me well. The Bible says that you are no longer an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. That means everything that God has determined to make Israel wonderful is yours. Everything in Deuteronomy 28, reading from verses 1 to verse 13, is yours. The blessing, I mean, think about it. He must bless you as you come out, bless you as you go in, bless your cattle, bless your kind, bless your work of your hands. He will cause your enemies that come against you one way to flee seven because you are born into him. The Bible says if the children of Israel are benefiting anyway. That means when they were in trouble, God remembered his confidence and stepped in on their behalf. So will he step in on your behalf. Hear me well. What that means is this. You are accepted because of what Christ did. And with being accepted, there are benefits. Let me keep going. The Bible says, and the Bible says, and strangers from the covenants of promise, that means every covenant of promise, you are no longer a stranger. You are now a what? A fellow or an associate. That means you have an equal right to the covenants of promise that Jesus Christ has as God's son. Hear me well. That means you can make a demand on the promises of God without any fear or favor because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. If it is the covenant that says that I will heal you by the stripes of Jesus, if it is the covenant that says I will cause rain to fall upon your land in due season, if it is the covenant that says I will order your steps, if it is the covenant that says that I will watch over my word concerning you to perform it, then ladies and gentlemen, you can make those demands without any fear or favor, because you are accepted. The Bible says, having no hope, pause. That means in Christ Jesus, because you are accepted, according to Proverbs chapter, uh, yes, Proverbs chapter 23, reading from verses 17 to 18, your hope and your expectation will not be dashed. Why? Because the anchor of your hope, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has passed within the veil. He's sitting at the right hand of the Almighty God. Your expectation for good will not be cut off. Are we together? This is what we're talking about, being accepted. The Bible says, and without God in the world. No, the Bible says that God is with you. He is Jehovah 
Emmanuel, the Lord God with you. And the Bible says that if God is with you, according to Psalm 46, verse 10, you have no need to worry if all your circumstances go pear-shaped because God is your constant. And the Bible says, because you are accepted, that benefit is yours. But this is the last one. And the last one, the Bible says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Pause for a moment. Luke 1, 37. When written in English, it says, for with God, nothing is impossible. When you read that in Hebrew and you break the words down, the Bible says, in the proximity or the nearness of God, every word, pronouncement, declaration or promise shall not come out of his presence without the ability to come to pass. Let me say this over your life, ladies and gentlemen. Because you are accepted, you are near God. That means nothing that God has promised you is impossible. So ladies and gentlemen, there are benefits of being what? Accepted. You are accepted. When you walk into the presence of the almighty God, Things are not the same. Your circumstances do not have the final say. You are accepted because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one minute past eight, so we have to close out here. And so let's say a prayer. And my prayer is that may the acceptance of the Lord change your story once and for all if you're listening by a podcast may the acceptance of the almighty god change whatever season you're coming to we're coming to the end of the year whatever season you're coming into may the fact that you are accepted may the benefits and the blessings of our lord and savior jesus christ attend your world and may a miraculous series of events cause your life to glorify god cause you to send praise into heaven because of the glory of his grace. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are believing God for a miracle, I join my faith with yours. I lift my heart and I lift my faith with yours. And I pray that God intervenes where you are. It's a blessing of those. It is your birthright that God says, when you cry, I will answer. And I pray that God answers you suddenly and in a remarkable way. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you next week.